would you turn with me to Luke chapter number two? And if you're physically able to, let's stand out of respect for the word of God as we'll read our passage, have a word of prayer, and then we'll let you uh, uh, be seated again. And when usually when you say turn to Luke two, people think about the Christmas story. And of course, we spent some time recently there in the month of December. But uh, we're going to look beyond that really at the end of Luke chapter number two. And if you would read along with me this morning, I'll begin reading in verse number 41. The Bible says, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, this is talking about Jesus now, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, the Christ child tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing to have been, uh, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass, after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, this is talking about Mary and Joseph, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. With the Lord's help, we're going to continue uh, our series as we think about our theme this year, Magnify. We want to magnify the Lord. And so month by month, God's kind of given me a different theme along this lines of magnify. And so the month of January, we've just been magnifying the Lord. And with the Lord's help today, we're going to see him magnified as the Messiah. Now, this passage that we just read, and we'll look at this morning, it's kind of an interesting passage. <clears throat> I don't know, do any of you remember when you were a child growing up, was there ever a time as a little child that you ever got separated from your parents? Do you remember those times? How many of you out of curiosity remember times like that? Just a few of us. Um, I remember there were times where I got separated from my mom and dad, and uh, when my mom and dad found me, I was not where Jesus was. They didn't find me in church. When my mom and dad found me, they found me in the toy aisle. They found me in the candy section of the store. They found me doing something that I probably shouldn't have been doing. And when they found me, it was not, oh, happy day, if you know what I mean. But when they found Jesus, he was in the temple. He was in church. And today, we're going to see from God's Word how the Lord is magnified as the Messiah. Lord, bless this morning your Word. God, I pray that you would be lifted up this morning and that we would only see you. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for the res uh, out of respect for the Word of God this morning. Now, a lot of families, maybe your family's like this, 
Some families have traditions. Uh, we had some with our kids. I like having some traditions, and I realize sometimes kids get tired of uh, family traditions, but listen, someday they're going to have kids, and they can decide what they're going to do with theirs, but a lot of traditions take place around Christmas, maybe some at Thanksgiving. Uh, maybe you have traditions when it comes to birthdays or other special days of the year, but you know, Mary and Joseph, the the, the mother and father of Jesus, they were just like us. They had their traditions and things that they would do throughout the year. And one of the things that they would do, we actually read about this morning, is that they would make a yearly pilgrimage to the city of Jerusalem for what was known as the Passover. The Bible records this. Now, we have a map to illustrate this, and I want you to look at this, and I'm, I apologize, this is about the best that I can do, but if you look on my right, maybe your left, if you look on there, you would see that the Bible, uh, this map here describes a little bit about what we see in the Word of God. On the left-hand side of the screen, or excuse me, the right-hand side, you see way up there the city of Capernaum, the Sea of Galilee. Right below that, you have what is called the Jordan River Valley. Of course, the Jordan River being there in that valley. And then you notice that a lot of the rest of the map shows a region that is very mountainous. A lot of hills, it would have been difficult traveling. And if you notice, most of that map is something, now this is kind of a 3D looking map. And down in the bottom left corner, you see the city of Bethany. Now that was the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. That was a place Jesus loved to go. And of course, Bethany was very close proximity to the city of Jerusalem. And you see the city of Jerusalem there. And of course, the Mount of Olives, which is just, just down the hill from the city of Jerusalem. Now, the thing about it is Jericho, if you made your way to Jericho through the Jordan River Valley, if you noticed that from Jericho, you would go up to Jerusalem. It was going uphill. It was going through a mountainous area. There were a lot of valleys, a lot of things that you would have to travel around, go up and over. Now, if you remember, Jesus and his father and mother, they, he lived in Nazareth. And the Bible says, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? So look where Nazareth is on this map. It's way up here to the top of our, just off of the Mediterranean Sea up there. And now, again, there's some discrepancy that when they would travel for the Passover in Jerusalem, would they maybe come across through the Judean hills, which would be very rough travel, would take them a long time going that way. Eventually, they would have to make their way down because the Bible records that they were oftentimes would go through Jericho on their way to Jerusalem. So again, that might be one way they would go. A lot of people believe that they would travel somehow over to the Jordan River Valley, come down to Jericho, and then go up to Jerusalem. Can I just put it this way this morning? It doesn't really matter which way they went. It was a long, hard journey. A lot of people believe it was about a five to seven day journey because most of the journey was made on foot. You think about this, how many times when we travel, we get upset that we have to drive 20 minutes in an automobile. Times have changed, have they not? And yet, they counted this a privilege to be able to travel to the city of Jerusalem for one of the high holy days of the Jewish people known as the Passover. And as they made this journey, they would travel together in families. 
They called this traveling in caravans. Now, caravan, it wasn't a dodge. It was a group of people, family members, and the Bible uses two words there. They're kinsfolk and acquaintance. Now, maybe you're from an area in the country where you call people kinfolk or kinsfolk. Uh, I, I know that as a kid, we traveled not many times because everybody lived in the same area, but we would travel sometimes, and we would travel with maybe my grandparents and my aunts, my uncles, and my cousins, and it was always fun for us to travel to those, but we were not going to something of the significance of going to Jerusalem for the Passover. And this is what you need to keep in mind as we get into this portion of Scripture is, is that Jesus and Mary and Joseph and all their kinsfolk, their family, all their acquaintances would make this journey and they were traveling to Jerusalem for the Passover. Now, as they're doing this, they, first of all, this morning, placed a priority on something that undoubtedly you are too, is on family worship. I think that we can clearly see from the Word of God and from even your lives today by your presence that you understand the priority of family worship. Now, God specifically, and I think we can see this in the Word of God, that God chose, he could have chose anyone, but he chose Joseph and Mary to be the parents, the earthly parents, to raise his son, Jesus, as we look in the Word of God. Now, as we look at the priority of family worship, what do we see? We find that the Bible gives us the custom of the parents. The Bible says, in your look here in verse number 41, now his parents went to Jerusalem, notice the word here, every, they went every year, the Bible says, at the feast of the Passover. Now, all Jewish uh, males were required by Jewish law that they should come every year for three of these Jewish holy days. One of them was the Passover, we'll look at this morning. One of them was the day of Pentecost, and the other one was the Feast of Tabernacles. So according to the Bible, all Jewish males every year would go to one of these. Now, the Bible describes that there was a time where because of persecution that the Jewish people, the nation of Israel, that they were dispersed. The Bible uses, and you can find the word there, that the dispersion or the diaspora, where if you look in the book of Hebrews, it talks about under the Jews that were scattered. So again, these Jewish people that were centralized are now have been placed or maybe displaced in various parts of the region there. And so for some of them, it was very difficult to get back to every one of these three feasts that they were required by law. But one thing is for sure, if they went to any one of the three, they would go for the feast of the Passover. They would make it there for the Passover uh, celebration. Now, the Bible records that at the age of 12, that Jewish males were then considered, according to their custom, they were considered an adult. So a 12-year-old boy Jewish boy was considered to be an adult. He was actually called son of the law. He wasn't called son-in-law. He was called son of the law. They were responsible, just like uh, every man, no matter what age, they were required, they were responsible also to be there for those particular special high holy days. The Bible says in Exodus 23 and verse 17, look at it. Three times in the year, all males 
shall appear before the Lord God. So Jesus now, in this passage, being 12 years of age, he too was required to be there. Now what's interesting is, is that the Bible says all males, but yet Mary went. Mary was not required to go by law. Listen, ladies, she went because she went out of respect for God. She went out of devotion to her God, and she wanted to go because she wanted to spend time with her husband and with her son. Now think again about it. If it was five to seven days there, five to seven days back, and the time they spent at the Passover, you're talking maybe close to three weeks. Mary thought to herself, well, I'd rather be with my husband and my child than to be at home without them. Now, again, this wasn't an easy journey, but she decided every year that she wanted to be a part of it so she would accompany them. Now, what's neat about it is, is that not only Joseph, but Joseph and Mary, father and mother, the parents, and I understand, you do too, that Jesus was the Son of God, but he was their son. And by going every year, just like they were instructed to do, what were they doing? They were training Jesus to obey the commandments of God. See, this is a responsibility that God's given to every parent. If you have children, doesn't matter how young or how old your children are, God has given you a responsibility, a sobering responsibility. And I applaud any parent that has their children in church and are teaching their children the ways of God and to obey God. The Bible brings this up in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Notice here, by the way, there's a, uh, this entire passage is a great passage, but here's one verse out of it. Look what the Bible says to the parents. Thou shalt teach them, your children, diligently unto thy, uh, thy children. He says, teach the laws of God, teach the commandments of God. He says, thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up. In other words, there, there should be many times throughout every day as a parent that there should be teaching opportunities and moments where you can teach and instruct your children. And the Bible says, look at it, Proverbs 22, train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now yesterday, we, we, had, a, we had God bless, we had a work day. You know, work is not a bad word. Matter of fact, it's something, uh, work is not a part of the curse because of the account in Genesis, because man sinned in the garden. God has always intended man to work. And the problem is we're growing up in a society and America is trying to, uh, our, our leaders of our nation are just trying to give everybody handouts. And the Bible says that if a man doesn't work, then a man shouldn't eat. And a man that can't provide for his family is worse than an infidel. That's what the Bible says. Amen? That's what I thought. I thought I was in church this morning. But we had a work day. And, you know, all I can do is say, hey, we're going to have a work day. I don't I have no idea if anybody's ever going to show up. But we had about 28 people show up yesterday for a work day. Man, it was a blessed day. God gave us some beautiful weather. I mean, there were people doing all kinds of stuff around here. I pulled in this morning, early this morning. I, I was looking around just thanking God for all the people. And, by the way, if you were here this morning, thank you, thank you, thank you. I think God's house ought to be a beautiful place. It ought to be an attractive place for people to come. And while we were here, we were working. And, and I was doing something, and as I was doing what I was doing yesterday, and I was just trying to get, you know, what I was doing, I was trying to get it finished, and, and I heard this noise, and I looked over, and as I looked over, two of our young church members 
Ezekiel and Logan. Ezekiel had this backpack, this this, uh, leaf blower on his back that was bigger than him. And Logan, his brother, had a handheld leaf blower. And these two boys are walking around. And here's what Logan's doing. And I'm thinking, the leaves are down there. And, and Zeke's walking around, and he's, this, this, this thing is just blowing, and he's trying to control it. I mean, he's walking around, and I mean, he's doing like this. And, and I looked over, and Guslet is, is not too far from me, and I said, hey, Gus. And he looks over. I said, look at that. And the two of us just stopped. We're just staring at these two boys. And I said, train up a child. And Guslet goes, yeah, that's right, Pastor. But, you know, God's given us that responsibility. Who cares if he's blowing up here, you know? Teach your children. And if there's anything we need to teach our children, it's the ways of God. What God would have for them. Look, as a Christian parent, if you're not teaching your kids about God, the world is not going to teach them about God. God says, teach them. He says, listen, while you're sitting down, while you're walking by the way, when you're lying down, when you're rising up, every opportunity. And this is what Mary and Joseph understood. It is important that we take our son. Look, it might be the custom of the day, but this is something we want our son to understand. What were they doing? They were modeling the Christian life in front of their their child. And this is what God wants all of us to do as Christian parents. And we see the custom of the parents. But notice also we see the sacrifice of the Passover. Look at verse number 42, what the Bible says. And when he was 12 years old. Now just stop and think about that. Do you know any (laughs) 12-year-olds? I mean, 12-year-olds, they're in their own world. I mean, they, they've got their own agenda, their heads in the, I was in line yesterday after I finished, I stopped by a store, and this 12-year-old was trying to get, convince his dad to let him get something on his cell phone, some app. And I mean, it took 15 minutes for me to check out. There were so many people in this store, and, and, and the, the entire time, he is, he is pleading his case. He's trying to get his dad, who, who is way younger than I am, trying to get him to understand why he needs this app on his phone. You know, and, and I'm thinking about, the Bible says here, Jesus was 12. 12 years old. And the Bible says here, look at it. They went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. Now, we were over in the Holy Land a couple of years ago and had the privilege of being there. And I remember they told us, they said, now listen, when it's, when it's almost time for the Sabbath, they said, you have to understand that, that everything comes to a screeching halt. They said, if you, if you need to buy something, if you need to get somewhere, you need to understand that everything is going to stop at a certain time. And, and they said, if you're on public transportation and you're wanting to travel either into the city or out of the city, you better get to where you're going to get because it's going to stop at a certain time. Hey, listen, even to this day, when it comes to these special times in the life of the Jewish people, they still do this. But when you think about the Passover, here's what we need to understand is that at midday, 
the work would stop for them because what they would do is they would begin to prepare for the Passover. They would begin to prepare the sacrifice. And at 3 p.m., the, the Bible records and, and custom shows that at 3 o'clock in the afternoon that there was someone that would take a ram's horn and they would blow or sound that horn. And when that sound was heard, all the people would converge on the temple court and there were, there were priests. They, they estimate that there were times where it might have been in the thousands of priests that would come to that temple court area and then one representative from each family would bring their sacrifice the animal that they had set aside that would meet God's requirement and they would offer that that animal they would kill that animal and as they would kill it those priests however many it was they, their responsibility according to the word of God is they would collect the, the, the catch the blood from those animals and then they would throw it against the altar or they would sprinkle it against the altar and then after that happened the sacrifice at that point was completed then the family would take that sacrifice that animal and according to the word of God they would then go back to their home and they would roast that sacrifice in the evening and while they were in their house and they were roasting that sacrifice they would do something that I think was very significant they would sit around in their home and they would think back to what the Passover was how God delivered them from the land of Egypt tonight we're gonna to have the Lord's table and I hope that you can make it it's a special time we, we do it probably five or six times a year it's where God's people can gather around the table of God. And Jesus, of course, physically is not going to be here with us, but he says where two or three are gathered together, that he's promised to be in our midst. And as we come together, we will partake of the elements, the juice and the bread. But listen, more than that, it will be a remembrance, a reminder of the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ that because of his life, because of his death, because of his resurrection, we have eternal life. And listen, it'll be a special time for us. Well, what was the Passover for the Jewish families? It was a time for them to think about the Passover when they left Egypt's land. And the Bible gives us some, some idea here in Exodus chapter 12 in your notes where the Bible says, your lamb for your family shall be without blemish. A male of the first year. God was very specific. There could be no flaws in it. It had to be a male. It had to be one year old. It says you shall take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Leviticus 1, he shall kill the bullock before the Lord, and the priest Aaron's sons shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood round about upon the altar that is by the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Going back to Exodus chapter 12, the Bible says, and they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Now we know if you read, if you read especially the book of Hebrews, here's what we find is, is that all those sacrifices, all those animals for all those years, the Bible tells us that it's not by the blood of bulls and goats, but by the precious blood of Jesus Christ that we have redemption. See, all of those sacrifices looked forward to the day that the Lamb of God would come and take away the sin of the world. When I think about this situation here, it reminds us as we look 
to what Paul wrote to those in the church in Corinth. Notice the Bible tells us to purge out, therefore, the old leaven. Leaven in the Bible is a type of sin. God says, whatever's in your life that ought not to be there. It says, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Jesus is our Passover lamb. Jesus gave his life. He laid his life down so that we might have eternal life. And when Mary and Joseph took their son Jesus into Jerusalem, every year they would go. But now Jesus, now being 12 years of age, this wasn't the first time Jesus had been there, but this was the first time Jesus had gone in the Jewish mindset as an adult. He's now 12 years old. And we see the priority of family worship. But notice the problem of the missing Christ child. <laughs> I mean, you see in this Bible, look, look in your Bible for just a second. I wanted to point out a couple things here. And I think sometimes we read in the Bible, we miss things. But notice in verse number 40, look at it. The Bible says, and uh, what's the next word? And the child grew. And this is talking about Jesus. The word there is the word pideon, which means an infant. So you have, there are certain words in the Bible that help us understand the various stages of life. Now, if you're still there in your Bible, look at verse number 43. The Bible says, and when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the, what's the next word? Child Jesus. Now, how old is he there in verse 43? 12. He's no longer an infant. Matter of fact, the word in verse 40 is the word pideon. The word in verse 43 is the word pious. Two totally different words. They both mean child. They're, the Bible, it's not translated incorrectly, but as we study the Bible, what we find is, is that Jesus is now of age according to their custom. He's 12 years of age. He's no longer an infant. Now he's a boy or among their custom, he's considered to be a man. And as Jesus now is with them, notice what happens. Jesus has gone with his parents and all of a sudden notice that Mary and Joseph have lost Jesus. They lost God. Now, I've lost a lot of things. My wife every day will lose her keys, lose her glasses. But listen, I hope we never lose God. Amen? Amen. We need to make sure we always know where God is. But listen, priority number one for Mary and Joseph was, we've lost God. We better find him is what's going on here. And, and the urgency came about here that, 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 listen, it was possible that you know, the Bible says supposing. Matter of fact, let's look at the verses here. Verse 43 when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, that's talking about going home. Notice the Bible says the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother Mary, they knew not of it. They didn't know that he stayed in Jerusalem. Verse 44, but they supposing him to have been in the company went a day's journey and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they returned back again to Jerusalem seeking him. Now, Look, I'm going to tell you something. I've gotten in trouble before. Maybe you have too with supposing things. You ever suppose something and suppose wrong? See, here's the problem is, is that Mary thought Jesus was with Joseph and Joseph thought Jesus was with Mary. 
and he wasn't with either one of them. The Bible says that they, they began to travel away, they began to return home, and it's kind of interesting, I don't know if it was something happened all the time, but they say that a lot of times when they would travel in these groups by family, that the men would travel with men and the ladies would travel with ladies because the ladies like to talk and the men like to walk. You know, it just it was better company, I guess. And so maybe they were traveling separate, but they traveled a full day out, and then they started to look around, and they can't find Jesus anywhere among the family members. And so what do they do? They turn around, and they travel a full day back. And again, can I tell you that if, if my daddy couldn't find me, and he had walked for an entire day, and then after he couldn't find me, and my mom was all over him about, where is your son? Where is he at? Because every time I did something wrong, I was his son. And then my dad had to walk back another full day and then go through the city looking for me that when my dad found me, it was not going to be good. I can tell you that. I can, I can understand this scenario. But one thing I know for sure is, is that Jesus, who the Bible says he tarried behind, Jesus, as was his character, Jesus never would have done that to be disobedient to his parents. Matter of fact, look what the Bible says. John says, you know that he, Jesus, was manifested, why? To take away our sins, and in him, what's those last couple words say? Say it again. In him there's no sin. Jesus could not have sinned. Remember the verse we read earlier about the sacrificial animal? It had to be without blemish. That's what Peter says. Jesus is the Lamb of God without spot or blemish. Jesus did not stay behind to be disrespectful to his parents. The reason he did was because he had an intense interest in what was taking place in the temple. Now remember, the temple, today it's the church. This isn't my church. This isn't your church. This is the Lord's house. And the temple was the meeting place of God with his people. Jesus was interested in what was going on in the temple. And I think a lot of times, just like Mary and Joseph, maybe you and I as parents or even as Christians, how oftentimes, what do we do? We assume that Jesus is with us, only to realize that he's not anywhere in our lives. We're not as close to him as we should be. Jesus said this in John 15, 4, look at it, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. Jesus was lost by Mary and Joseph. But notice also that Jesus then is found in the temple among the doctors. Jesus is found. Now the, the reality is Jesus really was never lost. Look in your Bible in verse number 46. It says, And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. Now, when I see this situation here, how many of you have a Bible that 
you, a lot of times it's called a red-letter Bible. What I mean by that is the words in your Bible that are the words that Jesus said are in red letters. Can I just look here, look at me for a second. Whether they're in red or not, it's all God's Word. But a lot of times you see in your Bible, if you have one of those, oh, that's something Jesus said. Well, we're in Luke's gospel this morning, and we're in Luke chapter number two. Here's an interesting thing, is if you look back, don't do it now, but if you look back to the beginning of Luke's gospel, the first place you see red letters is in verse number 49. In other words, these are the first spoken words recorded that Jesus said. Well, what's significant about that? The significance is is that Jesus actually declared, the first thing he said was his purpose, why he came. I think it's kind of an interesting, I think it's an awesome thing that, that as Jesus says to his mom and dad, look, he says, he's saying to them, there's only one possible place in Jerusalem that I would be, and you found me where it was. So notice here that as Jesus then uh, begins to talk to his parents, what does he do? He presents himself as the, the Messiah. Jesus presents himself there as the Messiah. Now, Jesus, again, is, is sitting there among the doctors as we think about this. And, and I want you to see this because in that day, as Jesus is sitting among these doctors, and many believe that in this particular day, and, and this, this could be right or wrong, but those doctors that were sitting there, and by the word doctor, it's not medical doctors. These are theologians of the day. These are men that know the scriptures, and back then it was just the Old Testament. It would have been uh, men like Gamaliel, which Paul had the opportunity to sit under the teaching of Gamaliel. Maybe another one would have been Nicodemus. Remember Jesus's conversation with Nicodemus? How can a man be born again when he is old? And Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And the other one may have been Caiaphas, all of these men, and maybe others, doctors of the law, who knew the scriptures, were sitting there in the temple. Now, they say that what would happen many times is that they would have some, some type of benches, and these doctors of the law, they would sit on these benches, and then people who sat in the role of a learner would sit maybe on the floor, and so you have the, the, the teachers and the learners, and they, they were sitting beneath them, and they were talking to them, and many times it was the theologians, the doctors, who were imparting all this knowledge, all this wisdom, because they were older, they had studied the scriptures, and there was Jesus sitting there. I don't know if there were other 12-year-old boys there with him, but Jesus is sitting there, and Mary and Joseph come upon this scene. I don't know where they went in Jerusalem before they got to the temple, but they finally got to the temple. And they come upon this scene, and Jesus is sitting there, and what is he doing? He's sitting among the doctors of the law, and the Bible says he was hearing them. Now, just think about this. God was listening. Do you know that God will listen to you today? There's something you want to say to him? We have the privilege of prayer. We can go to God. The Bible says Jesus was sitting there. And look, Jesus could have easily, because he was God. He's the written word. The, listen, Jesus was God in the flesh. He knew everything. These doctors of the law, no matter how much they knew, Jesus knew more. And as he is sitting there, 
He's, the Bible says he's hearing them. And what else is he doing? He's asking them. Now, he's asking them. I, I, I would have loved to hear some of those things Jesus was asking them. Now, sometimes people, they get so pious, all that they know, so puffed up. People ask me questions all the time. And, and honestly, when they ask me questions, a lot of times I'm like, that's a great question. Let me study the scriptures and I'll get back with you. I don't have all the answers, folks. Jesus was sitting there. He was hearing them. He was asking them. And look at this. He was answering them. And the Bible says that as Jesus began to answer them, they were amazed. These are the theologians of the day. And they were amazed at this 12-year-old boy. The word there that they were amazed literally means that they were put out of their wits at his understanding. They just, they, it blew their minds that this 12-year-old boy... But continually, the things that he said, repeatedly, these theologians, the doctors of the law of the day, they were astonished at the grasp that he had, the comprehension that he had of spiritual matters. Look, it's one thing, it's easy sometimes to ask questions, it's totally a different thing to give answers, especially answers that would amaze people. But here's this 12-year-old boy answering the doctors of the law. And in verse number 48, the Bible says, that when his, when his parents saw him, now think about that. Mary and Joseph, I mean, they, they probably thought to themselves, when I find that boy, he's going to get it. And they walk into church. It's kind of hard to be hard on a kid sitting in church, reading his Bible, talking to people about spiritual things, isn't it? I mean pretty amazing scene here. The Bible says that they too, look at it again in verse 48, they were amazed. They were struck with amazement. They couldn't believe what they saw, what they heard. This was their son, and maybe they hadn't really fully realized the power of their son, that he was God in the flesh. Twelve years had gone by since, since those people came and worship Jesus as the Christ child. We find here that Jesus was there in the temple. See, we see here the problem of the missing Christ child, but notice the presentation of Christ as the Messiah. Again, the first words that Jesus says to them. What is he saying? Notice he calls God his Father. Look in verse 49. When he said unto them, How is it that ye... Have ye've sought me, and wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? This is the first time that Jesus is making himself known as the Messiah. The word Messiah means the anointed one, the one that they had been hearing about, the one that they were waiting to, to come someday. Jesus asserts that he is God in the flesh, deity, the Son of God. At the age of 12, Jesus understood he had a messianic consciousness of the necessity that was laid upon him. Jesus knew at 12 why he came into this world. And this was just one of many times that Jesus refers to himself as the Son of God. Notice in John 2, 16, earlier in this chapter, he said unto them that sold doves, take these things hence, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. 
Listen, Jesus was very concerned about this situation and how they were looking to these doctors of the law. They were looking to man instead of looking to God. And Jesus said, listen, God is my Father. As a matter of fact, I want you to look at a couple words again this morning. Look at verse number 48, what Mary says to Jesus. He says at, at the end of verse, verse 48, she says unto him, Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. See the word father? Does it begin with a small F or a big F? Small. That's referring to Joseph. But look in verse number 50, uh, uh, 49. At the end of verse 49, he says, Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? Does that begin with a lowercase f? That's a capital F, isn't it? Jesus is saying here, God is my father. Now, certainly, God had allowed Joseph to be his, his, his mentor and his guide and his protector while he was on this earth. But remember that Jesus was born of a virgin. And the Bible tells us here that Jesus calls God his father. And then notice he says, let her be here, that he was about his father's business. He says, I must be about my father's business in verse number 49. And I love those words there, I must. In other words, Jesus is saying, it's imperative. This is the reason I came. I did not come to stay. I did not come to do what I wanted to do. I came for one reason and one reason only, and that was to do my Father's will. We see this many times in the Bible, Jesus fulfilling the purpose given to him by the Father. There are five times Jesus said he must do something relating to the Father's will in this passage. He said, I must be about my Father's business. And notice, he says I, later on, I must preach. And then he said, I must suffer and go up in Jerusalem and suffer many things. He said, I must be lifted up. And then he also said, I must work the works of him that sent me. Do you get the idea from those five times, especially the one today, that Jesus' earthly existence was completely consumed with the Father's will? What God wanted him to do. I think about so many Christians today. Are we doing God's will for our life? Are you doing what the Lord wants? Are you doing what you want? There's a big difference. A couple verses that I came across this week. James says, for that ye ought to say, if the Lord will. In other words, whatever God wants. We shall live and do this or that. Notice the Bible says in the Old Testament, Micah, old man, what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee? In other words, what is God's will? And then he answers it. Notice here, to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. God's will. Jesus said many times, not my will. Now, he was God. Not my will, Jesus said in, when he dealt with that woman at the well, and Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. That's the whole reason I came. And if you're saved today, can I just tell you that God saved you so that you can do what he wants you to do and not that you can do what you want to do. See, we live in a world today, it's all about what we can get out of life. But God says, listen, I'm the Messiah. Magnify me by doing what my Father wants you to do.
Now look at one last verse, the last verse we read, verse 50. The Bible says of Mary and Joseph, look at the words, and they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. They understood not. You see the picture there on the screens? That's what the word means. The word understand means to put the pieces together. Mary and Joseph, 12 years they've been with Jesus. We'll never have that privilege physically. But for 12 years they were with Jesus. They were with God. And now he's 12 years of age. According to the custom, and Jesus had been to Jerusalem before for the Passover, but this time it was different. And he was asserting to them, this was the reason that I came. And they understood it not. They couldn't put the pieces together. Where is God in your life today? Do you understand what his will is for you? Would you bow your heads with me this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? See, Mary and Joseph, and I don't fault them. I know I've had a lot of times in my life that I haven't understood what God wants for me. You say, well, you're a pastor, you're in the ministry. Listen, I have faults too. And the Bible says that they understood not. They couldn't put it together. His own parents. And the Bible says what we need is we need wisdom. And the Bible tells us wisdom is the principal thing. Get wisdom and with thy getting, get understanding. James says if we lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Maybe what we need to do today is say, Lord, thank you for saving me. But I think I've been living my life not really understanding who you are and what you want me to do. And I think what we need to do is we need to understand. See, Jesus was magnified before the doctors of the law and before his parents, but Mary and Joseph didn't understand it. We need to understand that Christians should magnify the Lord. We need to understand that it's not about our own plans, our best laid plans. It's about what does God want us to do. I know this, the pull of the world is strong, is it not? And what we need to do is, we who are saved, is serve Him. And as we serve Him, here's what's going to happen. The Lord will be magnified to those around us. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I wonder this morning, do you know Christ as your Savior? Have you had a time in your life that you put your faith in Him and Him alone? See, this time that God has given to us, we do this every service, it's called an invitation. It's not the church inviting you, it's the Lord inviting you to come. Come to Him. You see, the most important thing is to know for sure that Christ is your Savior, that heaven is your home. Because we will spend eternity in one of two places, heaven or hell. God's not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. I wonder this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, this is between you and God. 
How many of you by an upraised hand can say by, by a word of testimony with your hand up, Pastor, I know without a shadow of a doubt, I'm saved, I'm trusting in Christ and Christ alone. Would you raise your hand this morning? I'm saved and I know it. That's a blessing. Hands all over the auditorium, you can put your hands down. There may have been some that could not raise your hand. The Bible says that whosoever shall confess, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. You see, 36 years ago, I realized that I was a sinner. And I realized Christ died for my sins, according to the scriptures. And I put my faith in Christ. And from that day to this day, I've had the hope, the assurance, because I've trusted in Christ. And if you're here today and you've never been saved, why don't you ask the Lord to forgive you of your sin, come into your heart, and be your Savior. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if you need to be saved today, would you just pray to the Lord? Just a simple prayer. Something like this, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and be my Savior. In Jesus' name. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I wonder, did did you pray that prayer? Did you ask the Lord to be your Savior? I'm going to have a word of prayer and we'll close the service in just a moment. But if you did pray that prayer, I'd like to include you. I don't know your name. I won't call you out. But would you raise your hand this morning acknowledging, Pastor, I prayed that prayer and asked the Lord to be my Savior. Would you slip your hand up? You can put it up and put it right back down. I see that hand. Anyone else? I prayed and asked the Lord to be my Savior. I see that hand. You can put it down. Anyone else? I'm so glad I made sure this morning and I trusted Christ as my Savior. Anyone else before we have a closing word of prayer? I see that hand. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Lord, thank you for speaking to hearts this morning. Bless this invitation. In Jesus' name, would you stand?